Hi folks, welcome to the Epochs of Lotus Eaters. In the, this is the third of a three-part series we're doing on the Duke of Wellington, the conqueror of Tipu Sultan, the liberator of the Iberian Peninsula, and now I suppose the nemesis of Napoleon. Hmm. Yeah. So. Well, last time we left off where the Napoleonic forces had been beaten across Europe and yeah. Napoleon had been exiled to Elba. The Emperor of Elba. The Emperor of Elba. But um, he did escape. Now, I'm not going to do the Hundred Days no. and Waterloo in all that much detail because I've sort of done it twice already. One in our series about Napoleon and I also did a very early epochs um, reviewing the film, the 1970 film Waterloo with, mm. with Critical Drinker. Uh, do check that out. Yeah. So I'm going to go over it a bit, but I'm not going to do it in fantastic yeah. detail. If you want the detail of what happened to Napoleon on Elba and how he got out, well, you can check out the previous epoch. Yeah. Needless to say, he did escape from the island of Elba in the Mediterranean, came up through France, um, turned a lot of his marshals, including Salt and Ney, hmm. um, to, to come over to his side. Will you shoot your emperor? And um, yeah, and the, the Bourbon king, uh, was it Louis XVIII, fled France. Um, and so we get the showdown at the, at the field of Waterloo, which is just south mm. of Brussels. So Napoleon decides he's going to, he needs to march on the coalition forces or the British forces that are in Belgium. So just a quick thing, um, what's Wellington been doing during the Hundred Days? Or so, before the Hundred Days, sorry. While, yeah. While, while Napoleon's at Elba. Yeah, there was the, there was the Conference of Vienna. Uh, where all the successful, all, all the leading, uh, sorry, the winning side of the Napoleonic Wars get together to sort of carve up Europe, a bit like a Treaty of Versailles. What are we going to do with our newly won peace? Hmm. So there was, uh, there was the Conference of, of Vienna, and they hadn't got anywhere near the end of it. These big peace conferences take ages. Yeah. You know, Versailles took months now. and months and months. So you know. it must have taken even longer back then. Yeah. So they hadn't finished sort of wrangling over what they were going to do when, when news comes that Napoleon has escaped. Um, so uh, Wellington, who was sort of the obvious choice to sort of lead the coalition or be at least one of the coalition commanders, um, was up in Brussels. As I say, Waterloo is just south of Brussels, really. And uh, I won't, again, won't go into this in fantastic detail, but the Prussian commander, Blucher, uh, Blucher, sorry, I've been pulled up on pronouncing that incorrectly <coughs> before. Um, uh, Napoleon saw that we hadn't joined up our armies. Mm. We, we would, together, the Prussians and the British, would be sort of irresistible at that point. I mean, we, outnum we outnumbered him on the day at Waterloo as it was. Mm. Um, he had... 70, 75 or 1,000 men, we had 110, 120 or 1,000. So classic, the classic thing and the correct thing to do is to put his army between us and the Prussians. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, there was, um, the story famously goes that there was, uh, there was a ball going on when Wellington got the news that um, Napoleon and his marshals had crossed the Somba River at Chalois. They wasn't sure whether he was going to cross and go up towards Mons or a bit further east at Chalois. But when he did cross at Chalois, it was sort of clear that he, was, he wanted to defy us and the Prussians, which he did, um, ultimately to no avail. Um, Spoiler alert. There was a battle 
two days before Waterloo. Some people think of it as just like a, a preliminary engagement, but it was a pretty, pretty much a full-blown battle at Catra Bra. Like we lo- they lost four, 5,000 men, we lost 5,000 men. A full-blown thing, mm. 25,000, 30,000 aside. Yes, um, only a minor engagement. Right. That's yeah, huge. Because right. Waterloo was a big battle. Yeah. You know, there were bigger ones, but not many. Like Leipzig, Austerlitz, Borodino are sort of bigger, but, mm. but they are giant. Yeah. So Waterloo was big and very bloody. Very bloody one. No doubt about that. Um, great, quite a few great quotes from, from uh, Wellington. He said, uh, I would at any time have rather heard that the French army uh, had received a reinforcement of 40,000 men than that he, Napoleon, had arrived, had arrived t- to take command. Um, so again, it's one of the most famous battles in all of history, certainly Just from a quick an English thing point of view. That, that, yeah. that quote tells you a lot about warfare generally. Mm. Uh, you know, very much the sort of army of lambs led by a lion, rather than an army of lions led by a lamb, as mm. Alexander put it. You know, even like across that span of time, two thousand years, it's still true. The commander doesn't have the gall, the guts, the grit to <laughs> to do to do aggressive things then it doesn't matter how good the soldiers are yeah mm, and just a quick thing as well um napoleon's lost most of his good soldiers as well yeah hasn't he oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, hundreds of thousands of good soldiers uh, and so napoleon's army is of much lower quality yeah. than it would have been in previous years for sure so for sure I mean, his campaigns are the best part of 20 years, and over that mm. 20 years, his very, very best men had passed away. Oh, yeah, that's a, um, I don't know, that's a, be a little less generous than that. Well, He'd got uh, his I'm, best men killed. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah. And Hundreds of thousands of them. Hadn't quite finished Sorry. my sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was going to go on to say that, but particularly in the um, Russian campaign of 1812, yeah. most historians say that, that there, some sort of inner cadre especially amongst his old guard, mm. perished on that campaign, which was only like a year ago or two, three years ago now. But um, So, yeah, all throughout 1813, when he's on the retreat, uh, just, you know, just before his first abdication, he had to recruit really, really completely fresh, green, very young men. Yeah. Um, so by 1815 here, it's a, a pale shadow of sort of the once great legions of veterans he once had at his command. It's not that anymore. Yeah, because, I mean, the the thing about Waterloo is I always thought, if Napoleon had had just his army in its heyday, mm. it's quite easily possible that he would have won. Yeah. And swept us into the sea, turned and crushed the Prussians like he'd done previously. Maybe. Like, it's entirely possible that that could have happened. And so it's just like... Absolutely, maybe. And he didn't have a good day. Yeah. And Waterloo wasn't exactly a resounding victory. Well, I mean, it wasn't obviously a decisive victory, but like, as Wellington puts it, nearest damn thing, run thing I've ever seen in my life. So it was on a knife edge, even with Napoleon's inferior infantry and whatnot. In the end, it was an absolutely decisive victory. But on the day, it was close. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That famous quote was a damn close run thing. Absolutely. Um, so Napoleon, his, how sort of, how much genius he displayed on the day of battle, uh, towards the latter half of his career, 
some some days he was still great, and yeah. other days he wasn't. So in eighteen thirteen, he quite often displayed some of his old genius, as good as he ever was. And then on other days, not so much. On other days, he auto combated it. Yeah, yeah. And on Walter, on the day of Waterloo, he had a bit of a stinker. To be honest, he was ill that night. Yeah, the night before he was ill, and the morning, in fact, he was ill. Mm. Um, so just a few details. Um, it had rained all night, and for a portion of the morning as well, um, to the point where the field at Waterloo was waterlogged and muddy. And it, that really, really hampered the sort of efficient movement of artillery pieces, mm. wheeled artillery pieces. Probably didn't help the assault of the infantry either. Yeah, right. But, but especially on hillsides, Napoleon really couldn't do what he wanted. Because one of the things Napoleon was always, always famous for is just moving around his artillery um, very, very quickly and mm. perfectly, you know, that sort of thing. And he just couldn't do it. So he had to wait, or he decided to try and wait. Didn't really have much option, but to wait until the morning sun had sort of dried the ground out just enough that he could start doing all sorts of manoeuvres with his artillery. And so it wasn't until about half past eleven in the morning when things really started to kick off. That's fairly late in the day mm. with these big battles. Something like, I mean, like Leap, Leipzig was two days, or even three days, was it? Uh, with these really, really big ones. Uh, you need the whole day, really, to do what you want, unless you get lucky. Well, yeah. So he's wasted, he's wasted a bit of the morning there. Um, Just a quick aside as well. At this point, Napoleon's suffering from all sorts of pathologies. Um, hasn't he got, like, syphilis and various other... Well, I'm not sure. I don't think he had syphilis, but what he certainly... Well, in the end, he died probably, almost certainly, of, like, a stomach cancer. Right. And he was probably suffering from that already. Yeah, but the, the point is he had loads of ailments. I remember when I was in school, actually, uh, seeing a textbook, and it's a picture of Napoleon, and just pointing, you know, the little bits pointing to each part of his body. And I was, like, he had some sort of STD, because it was mentioned on the thing. Uh, oh, I can't right. remember what it was. But the, but the point is he, he was just riddled with diseases and infirmities that he had accrued over 20 years of campaigning, mm. which mm. You know, can't have been pleasant. He was certainly no spring chicken anymore. Yeah. Um, he was sort of firmly middle-aged and a bit overweight mm. and probably dying. Yeah. I mean, he didn't actually die for a few years. But definitely you know, suffering. But, but yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's beginning to suffer from the ailments that would eventually kill him. Um, often there's pictures of him. It was, a, it was sort of a, a fashion of the day to have one hand mm. sort of in your, in your tunic or something. Some people say maybe it was just he, he was constantly just holding his stomach because he was in pain Good all the time. Yeah. And it became a fashion to do that. But um, anyway, um, so again, just to sort of, I don't want to do Battle of Waterloo in fantastic detail, but to say there's like a couple of villages in the no man's land between mm. the two lined up armies. Wellington later wrote, uh, the enemy commenced a fierce attack upon our post at uh, Hugo uh, it's a bit that, I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly. It's fine. We pronounce everything um, incorrectly. Yeah. Uh, I had occupied it with a detachment of guards, and it was maintained throughout the day with the utmost gallantry. This was notwithstanding the repeated efforts of large bodies of the enemy. So Napoleon threw thousands of infantry at it mm. and effectively uh, it ultimately failed to take it. Mm. So again, he's sort of 
wasted the whole morning because now it's midday or it's one o'clock, half past one. He's wasted sort of half the day. Well, not wasted. He's tried and failed to. I feel. I feel like we've rushed to Waterloo a bit quickly. I really wanted to know what Wellington was doing in the meantime. I mean, I assume he was just okay. I'm going to nip back to Britain or whatever and and get the army together. Like, what what was his what, what was his preparations prior to Waterloo? Well, as I say, there was the Congress of Vienna. Yeah. So he was personally in Europe anyway. Yeah. Right. And there was all sorts of. But did we have an, ar- I suppose we had an army on yeah. the continent? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so he just takes that army. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. When we'd heard that that Napoleon had um, escaped. Yeah. <clears throat> and he starts his travel up through France because right. he lands on the the French Riviera yeah, yeah. at the very bottom of France and travels all the way up north. And when it becomes clear that the the various marshals like Ney been sent to bring him back to Paris in an iron cage and have failed to do so. Um, but by all that, while all that's going imagined on, his closest companions would have defected to his side and not this puppet king that we've installed. Yeah, I know, it's ridiculous. Because it takes him about three months to do all this. It's not that quick. Yeah. Like I say, 100 days. The 100 days more or less effectively ends with that Waterloo. Yeah, yeah. So there's a 100 day period there. So in that sort of three months or so, we gather our forces and we know he's coming north. We know he's going to, he's obviously going to march on Paris. So we um, coalesce our men in mm. Brussels right. or in Belgium. Right. Wellington comes back from Vienna to Brussels because mm. also, it's a classic thing, we know that if for whatever reason he fo- we forced us out, we need to, we're probably from Antwerp. Right. We'll probably bounce right. back to England if he does something brilliant. Uh, you know, he never did. But, but he might have done. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So, why so that's then? really what he did. We knew yeah. it was coming. Right, right. He'd been in Paris for a while. He'd, sat, he'd got to Paris, reinstalled his monarchy, mm. formed a government, and then marched north to Brussels. Right. So we sort of know it's coming. We absolutely know it's coming. Um, like I say, 100 days is a fair bit of time, actually. Mm. It's not like he escaped Elba and two days later he's in Paris. Oh, yeah, Four yeah. days later, he's trying to attack us at Belgium. No, it was, yeah. it was so, yeah. Okay. That's really. Um, so by half past one, on the day of the battle, uh, Napoleon decides to try and force the issue at La Haye Saint, the second village, the second village. And um, he attacks it with about 16,000 infantry, a full, full-blooded assault. Um, doesn't actually quite take it, but he completely surrounds it and um, nearly wipes out the garrison there and pushes on forward towards our line. And that's quite a dangerous moment, all the, all the historians of the, of the battle. Like if that had pushed through, we would have, may well have been in trouble. Mm. It's at that point when Wenson decides to unleash his cavalry, or the Scots greys, mm. uh, where they quite literally ride grey horses. <laughs> And it was a sort of very famous, there's a famous painting yeah. of the charge of the Scots Greys. And they do send the infantry packing there, but um, Napoleon counters them with his lancers, uh, the French cavalry. Yeah. Or, um, or Napoleon said, quote, those terrible grey horses, how they fight. Um, but what they did, they did the classic thing, centuries thing, of they push away this infantry attack and and become drunk on that victory. Chase after them? Chase, or go miles, straight, yeah. try and crash straight into the main French yeah. lines and get cut to pieces, essentially. 
the retreat is called, but a lot of them are cut down during mm. that recall. And um, so, yeah, the last giant great cavalry charge, not the last one, they're still, they're still cavalry charging World War One, I, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but um, the last giant one ever mm. done. Or the so I mean, this one is ever. probably like 20,000 men or something, right? Yeah, it was loads, thousands and thousands of horse. Yeah. yeah. And um, it sort of fell foul of the thing you always worry about your cavalry falling yeah. foul of. It just did it again. It's like, ugh. How many centuries do we have to have before the, the, the cavalrymen will learn? Yeah. They just never learn, basically. Yeah. Cavalrymen essentially, not all of them always, but often was no. the case. And it, it's um, always notable when it doesn't happen. Yeah. Like at Calais or Alexander at Galgamela and things like that. These are actually, but they're always battle winning maneuvers. If you can bring your cavalry back, you've won the battle, basically. Quite possibly, yeah. Well, sometimes if the cavalry charge of heavy horse is truly irresistible and they start rolling up a, sure, a flank, like a, then again you've won the day. Yeah, so it's not... Like a hussar charge. Yeah. Yeah. So again, there are many, many books written about Waterloo. It's one of the most famous battles of all time, certainly if you're an Englishman or, or European, Western European. Um, so you could go into it in crazy, crazy detail, but as we've already done it a bit, I'll yeah. sort of skate over a bit. One thing to say is that Napoleon, in the middle of the day, feels ill. Yeah. And goes and has a bit of a snooze. Yeah. Goes uh, into a barn behind the lines and sleeps for a bit, an hour or so. Uh, and during that moment, Ney, who's the head of the cavalry, thinks he sees a chink in our line, or, or does, is fooled into thinking that, mm. and um, orders a giant cavalry charge against us. Um, but uh, Wellington has done that classic thing where the main body of his men are behind the ridge. Hmm. So when the cavalry get there, they, they're actually confronted with lots of squares. Yeah. Um, most people know what squares are, but I'll put an image up so everyone can see exactly what Solid it is. Solid ranks um, of infantry who have um, their, uh, not pike, what is it? The bayonets. Bayonet? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for, facing forward so the horses won't charge into them and then they're at point blank range so they can just get blasted. Mm. So... The square, by the early 19th century, the square was a brilliant foil no. against cavalry. Yeah. It was really good. It was extremely, extremely rare that cavalry, by the early 19th century anyway, would break into a well-formed, well-ordered square and yep. break it apart and kill them all. And it when it did rare. happen, it was memorialised in song and poem. Right. So in the Peninsula War, the, the British cavalry did do it to the French, like, once or twice. Hmm. And again, it was, it was sort of incredible. It's like, yeah. wow, you actually did it for once. Yeah. Um, so it's not like it never happened, but it was quite rare. Um, and uh, oh, what a great line from, from uh, Wellington around this time of the battle. He said of Napoleon, damn the fellow, he is a mere pounder after all. So he, he thought or hoped perhaps that Napoleon might do something sort of truly e unique or imaginative or mm. something, and he, he just didn't. Again, he didn't have a good day. Yeah. Old Boney didn't have a good day that day. Yes, they go have a lie down. But, I mean, he probably had stomach cancer, so, you know. Yeah. I think he'd been up most of the night before in mm. pain, mm. so he was very tired. And, well, anyway, when he gets back, you can't, sort of can't believe what Nay's done. <laughs> um, yeah, so what, what happened to the cavalry, Nay? Well, Halfway got massacred. Yeah. Called a giant charge. Thought we could do it. You had one job not to get all the cavalry massacred. Yeah. I'll leave you for one hour, and what yeah. do you do? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Um, Wellington himself had multiple horses shot out from under him um, and was everywhere. And nearly everyone on his staff, I think nearly everyone on his staff was either killed or wounded because mm. he insisted on being right at the front to be able to see everything with his own eyeballs at all times and issue orders himself. Um, King micromanager must yeah. micromanage everything, even in the heat of the battle. Yeah. Yeah. He was definitely within range of cans. A couple of times during that portion of the battle, he had to take refuge inside a square himself. <laughs> That's really, um, mm. he's really close, really. Anyway, by about 6 pm, it's, things are becoming a bit um, worrisome from the French point of view because the Prussians have turned up. Yeah. He needs, if he's going to win the day, he needs to win it right now. Yeah. Um, so at one point he decides to send in the old guard, the last giant push of hopefully an irresistible push of infantry columns. And, um, but Wellington's already it, figured out how to beat columns. Yeah, it just doesn't work. And he had a lot of men sort of laying in wait for them, essentially. Mm. Um, uh, he said, the enemy made a desperate effort to force our centre near the farm of La Haye Saint again. Um, the farm, after a severe contest, was defeated. Um, there's a few thousand men there, and I think only 42 survived, so they're basically wiped out. Blimey. But it wasn't, it, it wasn't enough, because when they pushed on forward into our line, we did stop them. Um, great line, um, Wellington said, um, Night or the Prussians must come. Hmm. He knew that without the Prussians' help, um, Napoleon could have pushed him off the field. Um, but when the Prussians did arrive, uh, finally, um, Napoleon had sent some sort of detachment out to try and slow them down, but they'd pushed through him. Mm. When he did arrive um, late in the afternoon, Napoleon basically couldn't make his mind up exactly what to do for a while. Not all that long, but he paused, he hesitated for a bit, perhaps half an hour. The historian Richard Holmes, the late great Richard Holmes, said, Quote, uh, half an hour's doubt was undoing a lifetime's achievement. And that just that just says it all. Summarizes everything. That just says it all. Um, and at this point, where where um, Napoleon basically throws everything he's got left hmm. in into the maelstrom, um, all his remaining artillery blasting away as much as they possibly could. Wellington said, "Quote: Hard pounding, this gentleman. Stand fast. We must not be beat." So what? So we're getting a good view of how things are from Napoleon's point of view. Mm. But what was it like from the British point of view, from Wellington? Because the French assault must have been bloody terrifying. Yeah. And so how's Wellington and how are Wellington and the British doing at this point? Right. Well, he never lost his nerve. That's his classic thing. Mm. Is that he never lost his nerve? Like that quote there. Um, you know, just stand fast. Um. Another thing that perhaps gives you uh, an idea of Wellesley's mindset is his second in command, Uxbridge, um, the Lord Uxbridge, Henry Paget, at one point, right near the end of the day, um, gets his leg blown off. Hmm. You know that, that story? Yeah. I'm... And he's supposed to have said, By God, sir, I've lost my leg. By God, sir, so you have. Uh, yeah. And he just turns and said that. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, again, his favourite horse, <laughs> his charger, Copenhagen, hmm. he rode for some of the battle, but he sort of, when things got a bit too hot, he uh, used other horses. And he had more than one shot out from under him. 
and yet he never lost his nerve, never lost his bottle. Mm. So it was always that sort of his mindset. Mm. Uh, but he knew it was extremely close. Like, you know, at one point in the afternoon, he said, if the Prussians or night doesn't come, we are probably lost. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, quite a lot of uh, the, uh, the British regiments from a lot of the day just sort of had to stand there and uh, just take the incoming artillery from the French. Mm. So it's sort of one of those exercises in nerve. Yeah. Um, and then you've got like various infantry charges. Yeah. Cavalry charges. Like, like I say, the contest at La Haye Saint was yeah. a bitter, bitter, bloody, yeah, like last stand Alamo type deal. Yeah. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. I mean, the casualties, to give you an idea, God. the French lost something in the order of 33,000 men out of about 73. Uh, we lost something in the order of 21, 22,000 Jesus men. Christ. Yeah. yeah. That's atrocious. It's a really bloody day. It really, really yeah, was. Yeah. That, but that's probably the worst Wellington's ever had. Picton was killed. General Picton, yeah. one of uh, one of Wellington's favourite, closest yeah. uh, corps commanders. Because didn't we have about fifty thousand men, and we were waiting for like another fifty thousand from the Prussians? Um, like yeah, in that ballpark. Well, we had we had about thirty thousand men. The Dutch. Gave us about 17,000. Yeah, yeah. We had another 11,000 from Hanover. Right. Well, well I mean, the, and, and the Prussians, I mean, there's 6,000 from Brunswick. Right. Uh, and Blucher had 50,000 of his own. Yeah. So yeah. once we got together... We had the bigger army. We had in the order of 120 or 1,000 men. But while Blucher's absent that, from the field, yeah, yeah. we're actually being overwhelmed by a greater number of Frenchmen yeah. who <clears throat> seem to be really going for it. Oh, yeah. It was all or nothing. Yeah. It was absolutely all or nothing. I mean, Wellington, uh, Napoleon knew mm. that if he, if he lost that battle, that, that, that was it. There would yeah. be nothing, there's nothing between the Allies and Paris again. Yeah. He had no second, because <laughs> yeah. he'd got together all his army corps. Mm. He'd got together pretty much everything he had. Yeah. Within reason. So I'm just trying to picture it from the British point of view, because it's just going to be constant musketry charges, cavalry, thunder, you know, the ground would have been rumbling under your feet, mm. you know, while mm. booms in the distance, when, you know, you'd see the flat, the and then boom, 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 boom around you. And then you've just got the, the sort of, of just rows of French guys just shooting and charging and trying to pike you and stuff. And it just must have been absolute chaos, yeah. thundering chaos. With people screaming all around you, it must have been the like yeah. prior to World War One. It's hard to think of anything worse than the Battle of Waterloo. You know, twenty-one thousand of the winners dead. Yeah. It's awful. That's atrocious. Yeah. You know, it's a slaughter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's just the whole thing is just like this awful, awful day. Sometimes when you get hit with a cannonball, it will sort of blow you apart. Yeah, blow you to bits. Yeah. There's accounts I've read from Waterloo where some get hit in the head with a cannonball and it just Gone. takes your head off yeah. entirely. Yeah. Because yeah. the cannonball's quite big. Yeah. <laughs> and when it's travelling a few hundred miles an hour, it just obliterates a human being. Sometimes they might use grape shot or something, but often yeah. they use just a big old cannonball. Yeah, because it'll just um, crash through lines. Yeah. Sometimes they'll come sort of skipping towards you. Yeah. 
Um, it's not just one trajectory. Sometimes yeah. it would skip along. And yeah, there's a there's a famous um, uh, cavalryman's breastplate. Yeah, from Waterloo with just, just a huge a hole. giant hole in the front and back of it. Yeah, where a cannonball's just gone straight through him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So just just very to, bloody day. Just to be clear, from the British side and obviously from the French side as well, but like. From the British side, you've got to stand and defend essentially a ridge, a muddy, wet, cold ridge, under just this constant bombardment and constant infantry fire and cavalry charges and screams of pain and you firing your own gun back at them. Like, it just the sensory overload is awful yeah. on this day. And you've got to stand there because if you run away, you're dead. Yeah, for some regiments of foot, your job that day was to basically stand there. And get shot at all day long. Yeah. And when guys either side of you were uh, shot or blown to pieces, you just shuffle up so there's no more hole. That's your job all day. Yeah. <clears throat> Crazy, really. It's just, it's just mad. Just think of what was you know what your senses were constantly bombarded with, mm. and that's assuming you didn't get wounded. <laughs> assuming mm. you didn't get killed. Mm. You know, it's just the literally, and and there's a damn fine chance that you will. So you know, mm. it's just. Anyway, yeah, just a lot of suffering from the Brit on the British side and the French side, obviously, but they're the mm. bad guys, so don't care about them. Yeah. Yeah, no, certainly among the more bloody battles. Mm. To watch the full video, please become a premium member at lotuseaters.com.